We began a series of messages about four weeks ago entitled Run Your Race. And the purpose of this series of messages was to understand this biblical metaphor, this biblical picture that God gives us of the Christian life as a race that we run. Not as an aimless walk in the park where we're not really going anywhere, nor as a sprint, a dead sprint, where we're trying to get to the finish line just as quickly as we can. But the biblical metaphor is more of a marathon, more of a a race of endurance that we only complete when we fall into the arms of Jesus at the end of life. The reason we want to understand this is because we need to be able to evaluate ourselves spiritually. We don't think about that very much. We don't meditate on where are we spiritually? Where am I in this race of life, this marathon, this journey that God has me on? In evaluating ourselves, we need to be asking ourselves questions about our spiritual maturity. We need to be asking, am I running this race with perseverance? Really? Really? Am I running this race with purpose? Am I running this race toward the ultimate prize? Or are there all kinds of other things that have my attention and have me running here and there? Am I just going through the motions? Am I talking a good game, but in reality, there's not much there? Am I spending a lot of time and energy, but really feel like I'm more on a treadmill than on a track? I'm not really getting anywhere. You see, folks, we only have this one life. This is it. And we want to make sure that we don't spend our lives on things that don't ultimately matter. And there are lots of things out there that will promise us happiness and peace and joy and all kinds of other things. But if we run run after those things, ultimately we won't find what really, really matters. Now, as a church, we want to help. We really do. We don't want to just be a place where you show up on Sunday morning and kind of get your charge for the week. We really want to try to come alongside you and help. And it doesn't matter where you are on your spiritual journey. You may not have taken that first step yet. You may be seeking what God's will is for your life. You may be um, hearing God kind of pulling you, but you really don't know exactly what God's got in store for you. Um, Some people call it a pre-Christian. Well, I don't know what you want to call it, but You're not quite ready to start the race yet, but you know there's got to be something more to this life. Or maybe you're you're a brand new babe in Christ. Recently, if you've come to know Jesus as Savior, maybe maybe it was years and years and years ago that you've come to know Him as Savior, but you really don't feel like you've grown any. Maybe you feel like on this journey of life that you're crawling or or just to the point of walking. Or maybe you you do feel like that you're up and on your feet and, and running in this journey of life. But each of us is on a journey. Each of us has a course that God has laid out for us. And your church family can and wants to come alongside you and help. But it's your journey. Listen to that very carefully. It is your journey. That's why it's so important that you evaluate where you are on your journey. Now you can always look back and find ways to point your finger at the church and say, well, if they had done this, or they had done that, or they had done this over here, then I would be more spiritually mature in my own life. But have you ever stopped to think, have I done what is necessary to keep myself on the course that God wants me to be on and to do all that I can to grow and become the person God's created me to be? It is a 
cooperative effort between you and your church. We actually have written this into our core values as a church. For those of you who've been through uh, Beginning with Grace, you've seen these. Perhaps you've seen them in other places, but here's, here's one of our core values, that every Christ follower has a personal responsibility to take ownership for his or her own spiritual growth, while we as a church have a responsibility to provide the inspiration, information, and resources necessary for that growth to occur. In other words, we work together in your spiritual growth. There's a role that the church has to create that environment, but you have to run the race. We can't run it for you. Now, as part of your effort to believe, to belong, to become, the church staff, the elders, and and other leaders seek to provide uplifting, Christ-centered worship services, seek to provide authentic fellowship and Bible teaching in your grace groups, seek to provide other opportunities to serve others and to share your faith. In addition to these, We have, for those of you who want in-depth Bible study, we've got Sunday morning Bible studies. Uh, We are putting together a number of what we're calling foundational classes, which will focus on specific areas of Christian growth to try to help you and to encourage you in those areas. But again, this all hinges on your willingness to run the race. Consider an athlete. An athlete may have the best training facilities available the best trainers available, may have all the resources and the opportunities that he or she could possibly have to train. But if the athlete doesn't take advantage of that, it doesn't do him any good. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you have in your home a piece of exercise equipment that you bought with great expectancy that this was going to be it, and yet now it's a coat hanger? Or it's just collecting dust. Since I'm hearing a few laughs, I'm assuming a few of you have some of those things around your house. Maybe more than one thing. Maybe you have a bunch of those things. They don't do much good just sitting there, do they? You don't get much of a workout if you're just using it to hang your clothes on. It's the same thing in your Christian life. You can have all the resources. You can have the best church on the history of the planet. You can have it right here. But if you don't take advantage of it, You're not going to experience the growth that could be yours. So far, as we've gone through this series of messages, we've considered the the importance of persevering along the way, the importance of having a sense of purpose as you run your race. But today we want to take it a step further, and we want to uh, consider running for the prize. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to open them up to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to look at verses 24 to 27. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 24 to 27. Hear God's word. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it a slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the price. Paul is writing this to the church in Corinth as the Holy Spirit is is guiding him. 
And he does so using an illustration, something with which they would be very familiar, and that is a race. You see, in that area, they would host the Isthmian Games. Isthmian, it's, it's kind of funny. It's I-S-T-H-M-I-A-N. So one of those hard words to say. They probably didn't have as hard a time with it as I do. It would be held, uh, let's put the map up there. It took place on the Isthmus, that is that, that piece of land between two bodies of water, between the Gulf of Corinth and the Saronic Gulf, between the city of Athens and the city of Corinth, which is actually fairly close to where the games took place. They were held on the alternate years with the Olympics. You didn't, some of you didn't know the Olympics went back that far, but they do. Big games, and one of the major events were the foot races during the games. And so when Paul was talking about running your race, well, the the Corinthians would have easily gotten this image in their minds of this foot race. Paul considers this Christian life as a race, and he says to run in such a way as to get the prize. Now, the prize in the Isthmian games started out to be You'll think this is really good. You know, our runners run for gold and silver and bronze. They ran for a crown of dry, wild celery. I don't like the stuff out of the supermarket. But that's, that's what they were running for. Now, later after the Romans came in and it changed and actually it became a pine wreath that they would run for. But that was the prize. It helps us to understand when Paul says they run for a crown that's temporary, that won't last. And what he's trying to do is paint this picture for us to help us to understand that we can run in life for things that don't really last, that don't really ultimately matter. Now, admittedly, they weren't simply running for the little leafy crown that they would put on their heads. They were running for the honor of their city. They were running um, for fame. As a matter of fact, Many of these runners who won would be known long after they were dead. There's one instance, I went back and looked in my notes, I couldn't find it, but I remember reading it. There was one instance where when the the champion would come in, he was so highly honored that he didn't even get to use the city gate. They literally tore a new hole in the wall for him to come through. That's how highly these people were honored. And they were running for this honor. They were running for this fame. They were running for this glory. So when we see this crown, we go, oh man, who would want to run for a crown of celery? But they were running for something higher, running for something better than that in these races. But Paul looks at it and says, even that is temporary. They're running for something that is temporary. We're running for something that is eternal. It won't just last for a few generations. It's going to last forever. Now, before Paul launches fully into it, the verse just before what we read, verse 23 says, I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Paul's life was devoted to the gospel of Jesus Christ, to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to living out his faith and sharing that faith with others so that they too could come and join him in this race. He knew that life's ultimate prize was not a crown or fame or fortune. The ultimate prize was an eternity with God. That's why he ran the race. Not for fame, not for fortune, not for notoriety, 
but for Christ. Now, when I read these words the first time, I looked at it and it said, you know, everybody runs, but only one gets the prize. And the first thing that went through my mind is, is, is God telling us here that <laughs> we're all going to run, but only one of us is going to get into heaven? I mean, is that, is that what God's saying, that we're going to elbow each other and use every technique we can to outmaneuver the other person to, to get to the end so our life can be better than everybody else's life so that we'll get in even if nobody else gets in? No, that's not at all what Paul is saying. Let me just quote to you from uh, the Life Application Bible Commentary. It says this, When Paul told the believers to be like the, those athletes, he did not mean that the believers were all running against each other with only one actually winning. Instead, he wanted every believer to run in such a way that you will win. In other words, every believer should be putting out the kind of effort for the reward of God's kingdom that an athlete puts out to merely win a wreath. Your running should be in such a way as to get the prize. In other words, the effort that you put out should be in such a way as to get the prize. Your effort should be at maximum. Now here's something to at least think about in your own spiritual walk. We talked about evaluating where you are spiritually. Would you say that the effort that you put out in living the Christian life, is it, is it more at maximum or more at minimum? Where are you? We're called to go all out for the sake of the gospel. All out. So what does a runner have to do who's committed to running for the prize? Running all out. I want, to know, I want you to notice what Paul says. He says, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. And then in verse 27, I beat my body and I make it a slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I thought about strict training and, and what I have to go into. We heard a couple of weeks ago Brock Miller's testimony of, of getting ready and, and, and competing uh, as a triathlete. I don't think I've ever done anything quite that strenuous. Um, the most strenuous thing I've ever done, I, I guess, is playing high school football. Uh, five days a week, going to practice, learning plays, running through those plays, games on Friday. Night. It's probably the most strenuous thing that I've ever done. But I've got to admit that it wasn't all that strenuous. I didn't spend a lot of time outside football practice in the weight room, which I guess is noticeable. Uh, I, didn't spend, you know, I didn't spend a lot of time out on my own running. I didn't spend a lot of my time in, a, in the film room going over game film, learning the plays of the opponents and figuring out what I'd done wrong and how we, how we could be better. I didn't spend a lot of time going over the playbook. I just spent a lot of time doing that. For a person to compete at the highest level, requires a commitment level that, quite frankly, I sure didn't have at that time. But Paul is calling us to have in our Christian lives. Again, we're not talking about earning your salvation. That is not at all what we're talking about. That was done for us by Jesus. Jesus has done for us everything necessary to secure the prize. So I'm here to tell you, for those who are in Christ Jesus, the prize is already yours. The prize is already yours. You're not running. You're not putting forth this effort to try to win God's approval. You're not putting forth this effort to try to get God to love you. You're not putting forth this effort to try to earn your salvation. The prize is already yours, but God still calls you to run in such a way as to get the prize. To put forth the supreme effort 
in living for the glory of God in your life. Certainly this means the things that we typically think of. You know, I'll go to worship, I'll, I'll go to Bible study, my small group, I'll be a good steward of all that God has given me. But it also means something else. Again, we talked about what the church can do and what you can do. It means opening up your Bible and maybe reading it on your own from time to time. Asking the Holy Spirit to open your heart and mind so that you can understand what you're reading. And when you understand it, putting that into practice in your life. It means praying other than just in your small group and and here on Sunday mornings. It means developing a lifestyle where prayer with God is just a normal, natural thing. It's normal and natural as breathing is to your physical body. It means being open and willing and ready to tell other people about your faith or to serve them, to truly serve them out of love for Christ, to be open to whatever the Holy Spirit brings into your path. You see, it's not simply a matter of checking off a checklist of I've done these church things. It's a matter of is my life devoted to Christ not only on Sunday morning or Wednesday night, or Thursday night, or whenever it is that you meet with your groups. But is my life devoted to Christ 24-7, 365? Is that my level of commitment, my level of devotion? Did you notice Paul said that he beat his body and basically made it submit? Now, I would love to tell you that the word that Paul used for beat is some kind of strange Greek word. It doesn't really mean that he beat his body. But the word that Paul uses for beat literally means to beat it black and blue, to pummel his body into submission. Now, some of you can go away going, okay, I'm just going to have to beat myself up. going to have to beat myself up. We spend a lot of times beating ourselves up. That is not what what God is saying to us this morning. That is not what Paul did in his own life. And that's not what God calls us to do. So what does he mean here when he says he, he beats himself into submission? Again, remember, he's talking about going back into strict training. He's talking about living the Christian life. He's talking about what it is, what's required in order for him to be fully devoted to Christ. Athletes don't simply beat themselves up. They don't lock themselves in a closet and start wailing away at themselves with their fists or with sticks or whatever they can find. No, how do athletes beat their body and bring it into submission? By training. Every day by training. When you train, sometimes you fail. I feel pretty good if I can go to the weight bench and do all my reps with with the weight I'm doing. I feel pretty good about that. And I get to that point and I really don't want to go any further. I've conquered this weight. I've made it this far. But any of you who've ever lifted weights know this. Once you hit that, then what do you have to do? Add more weights. Up the weight. Why? Man, I've got this licked. I've come this far. Why do I have to add more weight? You know what's going to happen when I add more weight? I'm not going to be able to get the bar up every time. I'm not going to be able to finish my reps. I'm just not going to be able to do it. Am I a failure? No, I'm not a failure. I'm in training. The sooner we realize that the Christian life is not simply about trying, but about training, the better we're going to feel about failing, because it's going to happen. And when you fail in the Christian life, 
You don't quit and walk away and go, well, I'm defeated. You okay with God? You go, God, all right, what do I learn from that? How do we get stronger? Let me go on. I'm persevering in this. I'm going to keep on going. I'm going to keep on going. I'm pushing on towards this prize. And so what Paul is saying is the Christian life is serious business. Following Jesus is serious business. Remember the words that we read last week that Paul wrote uh, in Philippians chapter 3. He said, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul's saying, I do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes is what I'm going to do. Now, running for the prize doesn't mean that you're running for your salvation, but it does mean that you're running for the sake of the gospel. That it's not simply about you growing up in your faith, but about you becoming mature in your faith so that you can draw others to Christ as well. That you're putting forth this full measure of concentration, pressing on, as Paul says, straining forward, not settling for good enough when it comes to the kingdom. Oh, how I wish I'd learned this early in my Christian walk. I felt that when I got a little better than most of my friends, I'd made it. In reality, I was aiming for the wrong prize. I'm not running to be as good as my friends. I'm running to pursue the attitude and the actions of Jesus. I'm running to be like him, not like my friends. That's the prize to which I'm heading. Now, there's one other aspect that I think it's important for us to understand because we don't want to misunderstand this. Paul says, I beat my body and make it a slave so that after I preach to others, now we got that first part figured out, after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Now, Paul mentions being disqualified. Does this mean that we can now lose our salvation if we don't try hard enough? And the answer to that is no. That is not what it means. You didn't do the first thing to earn your salvation. It was given as a gift. It was received as a gift. You did nothing to earn your salvation. What in the world can you do to lose it? What in the world? If, if You need to understand, before you were a Christian, you were dead in your sins and trespasses. Okay? You were a dead man, a dead woman. You were completely depraved. Now you go, I don't feel like I was depraved. Well, that's okay. You may have been less depraved than this person over here, but you were still depraved. You were separated from God. Now, God saves you. He brings you into his family. You're not going to go back to being depraved. You're not going to lose the salvation. You're not going to gamble it away, lose it by, by efforts of work. So what is Paul saying? One of the things we need to learn about studying the Bible is that if we get to hard parts in the Bible where we come to something, we go, boy, that's a little confusing. We want to look at other scripture passages that are more clear to help us to understand the ones that are less clear. And one of the ones that helps us understand what it means when Paul says that he didn't want to be disqualified was this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, where Paul says, Examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? Now, that verse is in your handout. If you've got a pen right there, underline fail the test. Here's the reason. 
The word translated fail the test is exactly the same word that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, that's translated disqualified. It's exactly the same word. And so to be disqualified means that Christ is not in you to begin with. Here's why this is important. A life filled with good works is a noble thing, but it is not the same thing as a life devoted to Christ. A life filled with church is a good thing, but it's not the same thing as a life devoted to Christ. It's very important that we understand that we can do a lot of good stuff. We can be in church a lot. But that's not the same thing as being in Christ. It begins with salvation. As we receive the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that's where it begins. As we recognize that we're sinners and we're desperately lost and we need a Savior and that Jesus did for us all that was necessary for us to be saved. He gave his life for me. He shed his blood for me. And I receive as a free gift the salvation that he has to offer for me. That's where it begins. Our good works don't save us. Our good works grow out of a transformed heart, out of a saved heart. And there's sadly many who sit in churches week after week after week who do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They've been going through the motions. They've been talking a really good game. They even put their offerings in the offering plate. And they think that on the day of judgment, God's going to say, okay, let me look at your church attendance record. Okay, that's acceptable. You were here more than you were gone. All right, now let's take a look at your giving records. Let's open up. Okay, looks like you put in a check fairly regularly. That's very, very nice. Okay, let's check a couple of the... And God will go down this checklist to say, okay, you get in. If that's what we're thinking... We're going to be sadly, sadly disappointed. Listen to the words of Jesus found in Matthew 7. Jesus warns, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. And let me add, not everyone who sings it in a song gets in either. But only who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Boy, that sounds religious. And in your name, drive out demons and perform many miracles. That's got to be religious. And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Let this sink in. People will say, God, I did a lot of religious stuff in my life. I put a lot of money in the offering plate. Hey, I gave half the money to build the building. God, I did all this stuff. Doesn't that count? And Jesus will say, I never knew you. Folks, the most important thing in all the world is to know Jesus and be known by Him. To be in a personal relationship with the living Lord. Coming to church doesn't do it. Coming to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a Big Mac. It just doesn't do it. 
It's a matter of knowing Jesus and being known by Him. That's what matters, and that's what produces the good works in your life. It doesn't work the other way around. It's not an outside-in kind of thing. Do you know of a time where you accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of your life, where you turned from sin and turned to God? Do you know of a time where you surrendered yourself and said, God, have your way with me? Do you know of a time? And you don't have to pinpoint it day and hour, and you don't have to be able, yeah, but do you know of a time when you declare Jesus to be Lord and Savior of your life? If so, does your lifestyle reflect that you're running a race? You see, when Paul says that we need to evaluate where we are, check out where we are, it's for the unbeliever to make sure that Check it out. Make sure you're in Christ. But it's also for the believer. Are you running the race? Are you straining forward? Are you pressing on? Are you training in the strict training that God has called us to? Examine your life carefully. Eternity and the kingdom hang in the balance. God's call today is to run the race so as to get the prize. This should not be seen as an ought to. Way too often in churches, we teach This is how you ought to be. This is how you ought to live. It's not a matter of the ought to. It's not a matter of outward pressure, but of an inward calling. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. Paul says, Christ's love compels us. What motivates me? It is not a sense of duty. It is not... I've got to check these boxes off to be a good Christian. It is not, I've got to be better than my friends. What compels me, what moves me, and what motivates me is Christ's love in me because I have a relationship with Him. This morning, God's call is to examine your life, to examine your faith, to examine your motivation. Are you truly a believer in Jesus Christ? If not, you run in vain. Does Jesus live in you? Is your religion a a works thing? If I can just check off the list. If you're a believer, are you in the race or are you on the sideline? Are you running for the prize or are you running after all kinds of other things in life? Are you giving yourself to the gospel and the kingdom? Or are you occupying space until Jesus comes? God's Word tells us to check yourself out. Evaluate yourself. We go back to where we started. We as a church want to do everything that we can to come alongside you and to help you grow and to help you mature and to help you run your race. But it is your race. You have to run it. You have to take responsibility in your own life for your spiritual growth. And as God partners with the church and with you, And ties it all together by His great power. It is my firm conviction that none of us are meant to be spiritual babies for the rest of our lives. That God is a calling on some of your lives to be spiritual giants in this land. To make a difference for Jesus Christ in your home and in your place of business and in your community. That you will shine like stars in the universe. Don't sell yourself short. 
God has a plan for your life. He has a race marked out for you. And with the encouragement of the church, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can run that race so as to get the prize.